Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. My name is Nathan Cravat. I am one of your hosts, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Brian Edwards all the way <laughs> from Danville, Virginia. How you doing, Brian? Oh, man, doing fantastic in full swing and ready for Christmas, already eating tons of sweets and all those special things that you only get at Christmas. So I am absolutely, hey, I'm on top of the world, man. I really am. Man. God is good. That's great. Hey, um, I guess this is a good time to go public. Uh, I've been going back to the gym and I've been working out and have been pretty much no carb, no sugar for about wow. 11 or 12 days. So uh, I haven't mentioned that to our audience yet. And I say that so you can pray for me. But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's a decision I made, and I was going to wait till the first of the year. And a guy I'm working out with, uh, my buddy Roman, who's actually more of a trainer. He's he's actually kind of uh, trying to kill me, I think. But uh, we've we've been talking, and he's like, "Man, why wait till the new year? Just get a head start, and then take a day off for Christmas and a day off for New Year." So that's what I'm doing. But here's the thing, man. I, I've never come off sugar since. I was about eight years old and my mom tried to do what the doctor said to take me off sugar to help me with my uh, ADHD and hyperactivity and all that stuff. And it right. didn't last long because we lived at a boy's home and I could sneak right. into didn't another work. room and eat anything I wanted to eat. So, uh, it, yeah, it didn't last very long. But this is the first time in my adult life I've come off sugar and I did not realize how addicted I was to sugar. Like they say it's like 10 times more addictive than cocaine. And I believe it because for the first four <laughs> days, I was based basically in detox. But about the fifth day, I started having energy and feeling better. And uh, so I just wanted to go public with my uh, my, my health uh, goals pre-2022. So the end of 2021, I'm getting a little head start on it. If anybody else out there wants to join me, JC did this a while back and had a lot of people join. I'm not going to start a Facebook page, but I'm like, I'm committed, man. I'm eating like cauliflower rice and stuff wow. like that. So, dude, you know I'm committed to this You're thing. You're all in. Well, so I'm wondering two things. Yes, sir. First of all, does Roman hate you? <laughs> because <laughs> who would convince you to do that at Christmas time? And then the other thing I'm wondering, if Roman doesn't hate you, how much is Carrie paying him to kill you? <laughs> like, oh man, that there may be something worked out behind the scenes, but dude, <laughs> he's, I think in the long term, he's helping me. You should yeah, see this guy. Definitely. He's, he's jacked up. I mean, he's such a cool dude and he loves the Lord and, and loves the word of God and stuff, but we're having a blast in, uh, awesome. in the gym. My daughter, Elena is working out with us. Jedi, another RFP fam is working out with us. And there's four of us every, uh, three times a week. So, man, that's uh, good. we're, we're getting in there and I love it. I love the community aspect of it, but mm -hmm. here's the things that's going to blow your mind, Brian. And you might not even believe me when I tell you this, I'm getting up at, at five 50, three times a week to go to the gym. You know, Man. I'm not a morning person. This, this I, is I, miracle kind of, stuff. I don't even like morning people, but I'm, I'm not a morning person and I'm doing this. So I'm, I'm 46 years old, turning 47 in 2022. So a little bit behind you, just nipping at your heels. And no matter what JC says, you're not, you're not that old. I'm going to take your side today because he's not here to stand up for himself. So well, I'm nipping at your right. heels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And uh, but I'm staring 50 in the eyeballs, man. You, you start yeah. talking about turning 47 years old, you're like, whoa, I need to be healthy, I need to be feeling better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm committed to this. But that's not why we came here today. We, we're not here to talk about all, all that. But JC I do think is not that's here. important. It, it is, and I just wanted to say something about it. But since you said something about eating all the pies and all that stuff, I have Christmas Day and New Year's Day to look forward to that. And buddy, let me tell you what. I'm going to be catching up. So I'm well, <laughs> I'm excited for those cheat days. From a guy who had two heart attacks at 49 and who thinks the world of you and your family, I think you making an investment in your health is a wise decision. And I think other people should follow your lead. Well, I appreciate that, Brian. And one of the things I love about you, Brian, is that you are the guy who has introduced me to probably half of the uh, guys that have really made a huge impact in my life in the last few years, including Chad Gamble, who I now work with and work for. Awesome. And I mean, you were, you were almost directly responsible for me moving to South Carolina and God used you in a powerful way in my life. But I had the opportunity two years ago to return the favor to you for all the awesome people you've introduced me to in your circles and in your world, because Blessing or curse, maybe both all wrapped in one ball. <laughs> I introduced Brian Edwards to J.C. Groves, the man, the yes. myth, the legend himself. So, Brian, what has your life been like since I introduced you to J.C. Groves? Well, you know, to know J.C. is an experience. <laughs> um, it's not just an event. You don't just meet J.C. J.C. reverberates like you know man. him, and then it's an experience. But in all seriousness, uh, to know JC is to love him. Uh, yeah. JC loves big. He's a super passionate guy. And, you know, one of the things I love about JC is how God guarded him. And once I learned his story and learned that, you know, we had been in the same spaces years earlier, but didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, God took him out of that space to protect him so that he would find the right young lady to marry and, and then have that amazing family he has. But they're all the same. Uh, JC and I were on the phone this week, one night, really late, really late. Yeah. One kid was passed out on on a chair in the living room. Another kid was at the table with Uno cards. They were raiding the refrigerator, running all over the house. And I'm like, dude, it's like almost midnight. And he looked at me (laughs) puzzled, like, and like, you know, this is normal. Yeah. What are you talking about? (laughs) So whatever JC is it's possible to duplicate it, but yeah, you know, one of the things people really miss about JC Nathan, and I say this seriously, you know, a lot of people have really come after JC pretty hard. Oh yeah. They don't realize, man, he has a passion for God. He has a passion to raise a godly family and he is likely the most impactful individual I've ever known personally in the lives of college students and high school kids. What other guy, and I'm being serious when I ask you this, okay? What other guy do you know who could go to Statesboro, Georgia to a congregation that had no college ministry and within one year could be having 500 in college student attendance? Who else do you know? I'm being serious. Who else do you know? I don't know anybody. No, no, that's JC. He was tailor-made for that job. And uh, it's been awesome to watch all that God's done there with him. And you're right. He is super talented, but he's, he's a guy that fiercely loves his family, 
fiercely loves his friends and he is passionate about ministry. And one of the things I love about JC, I love many things about him, but one of the main things I love is his authenticity. JC, there is not a fake bone in his body. You may hate him. You may love him, but you're never going to question who he really is. He is the real deal. The same guy in front of you behind your back. And uh, JC, I've said it before, is a man that has been a good friend of me providing accountability and being willing to speak the truth into my life when I was in a bad season, when I was struggling with things. And, and he is uh, one of the few men that, that has really helped me move through some of the seasons that I wasn't sure I would move through in ministry just because That's awesome. you know, of some struggles. And God used him in a huge way in my marriage, in a, in a very dark season of our marriage. And, uh, man, God used him to say the right words at the right time. And I'm eternally thankful. My family's eternally thankful for that. And doing a podcast with him is just always fun. Yeah. I mean, JC is a guy that could walk in the most boring room in the world with 150 of the most boring people in the world. <laughs> and within 30 seconds, it's going to be the funnest place you've ever been. That's just who he is. Yes. And, and another thing, you know, that I love about JC is this. You know, a lot of times in our text thread, JC will ask great theological questions. Yeah. And I love the fact that he doesn't try to act like a know-it-all. Yeah. I've been around a few know-it-alls, and I don't like those people. And most of the know-it-alls I know may have some knowledge, but they really lack wisdom. Yeah. And uh, I love that he's willing to search out answers, and and he's willing to dive into theological discussions and questions. And then... Another thing I really love is, and you kind of, you know, just mentioned it, he's authentic. You know, a lot of times he says things I wouldn't. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. There's been, he there's says been things all times, of us wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But there's been several times, and the audience don't know this, you know, JC said certain things. And at the end of the podcast, I'm like, that's going to be edited out, right? That's going to be oh, edited yeah. out, yeah. right? <laughs> he's like, no, it's not. But here's what I can say to the audience JC, that's him being authentic. Listen, he sang professional Southern gospel music. He's worked for some enormous churches. If he wanted to, he could fake it. Oh, yeah. So when you hear him say those things, how about be be glad for the authenticity? You know, Peter, the disciple of Jesus, he was known for making bold statements and saying bold things, and uh, it was Peter being authentic. And I think we need to give each other room to be authentic. We say we want real well, if you want real, then then you ought to love J.C. Groves. Yeah, I agree. And and the last thing I want to say about him, we could talk all night. We could do a whole show on how awesome J.C. is, and he would hate it. He would hate every <laughs> second of it. Yeah. But we should Especially do that. If we one hugged day. at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, one of the last things I want to say about him is that he is an incredible, powerful communicator and preacher of God's word. And they're about the the audience is about to get to see that in this episode and listen to that because uh, JC has some incredible gifts. Like, I don't even know where his gifting's in. I I think the guy can literally do anything and do it very, very, very well. And uh, 99% of the reason this is a successful podcast is because of things he's done behind the scenes and connections he has behind the scenes. And we've talked about that a lot, but in this sermon, you're going to see, 
that uh, he loves Jesus and he loves just glorifying God and making God big. He's not interested in making an agenda or a denomination or an old path or a new path big right. or a music style big. He wants to make Jesus big. And and Amen. Jesus is, is clearly throughout his whole sermon is just magnified. And it's a powerful Christmas sermon, God with us. And I'm looking forward to introducing this to the world and to our audience. Man, I love it. So here's my big question. Yes. Are we going to have to fight over, arm wrestle over, or do rock, paper, scissors over who gets to say let's go? Bro, I've already thought this through. You've done it before. I've never done it. Are you going to let right. me do it this time? All right. So here's you... what I'm going to say. I'm going to set you up. Are okay. you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to tee the ball up. Are you ready? All right. Yes. Hold it. <clears throat> Let me do my best, JC. <laughs> Y'all ready to get this thing started? I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, let's go. Covering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a conviction of beans or peas to me. I'm podcast. Listen, in these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Hi, man! Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing good, neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say man Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalists. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical family. We are the fundamentalists. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, We better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old time religion really is because it's whatever era you Mm -hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was right Mm. like it lump it pump it jump it take it across the street and dump it we've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way you got their number boys Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started a movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards. The Christmas story just continues to teach and to help me 
grow as a follower of Jesus. And I believe that for these next few moments, um, that God has given me a word that I have been meditating on, something that's really been teaching me, um, that over this last, man, two years, that's something like 700, what is it, 730 days, it feels like life has just been crazy. And if there's one thing that God has just been continuing to teach over and over again, is that I'm with you, that I'm with you. And there's been moments over this last two years, and especially in my 39 years of life, uh, where there have been moments where I felt like I was alone. There have been moments where I felt like nobody knew the struggle. Nobody knew what was going on in life. And that God would remind me that he's never left me or forsaken me, that he's with me. And I believe that it's easy to believe that God is good when everything is going right. But when life kind of sucks, man, it's hard to believe that God is good. When there are circumstances and situations where we don't understand, we often wonder, are, are you sure, God, that you're in control? And we tend to lean on our own understanding. We tend to lean on things that we have gotten us through this before. And we look and we say, okay, this is how I got through that. And I believe now, more than ever, it's difficult in the valley. We're alone, we're worried, we're battling depression. But I don't think there's ever been a time in my life, in your life, that we've ever needed Emmanuel more than we do right now. I don't think there's ever been a time in our world where we need God like we do right now. And I'm not talking about a God that we just call out to when we need to pass a test that we haven't studied for because everybody's part and we wanted to go hang out with them instead of studying. And we're like, oh crap, I'm going to fail. And then we got to tell parents when we get home for Christmas, I failed my freshman year. Um, I did that because I played ping pong. But um, <laughs> in our world, man, we need him more than we ever do right now. You ever found yourself at a place where you really needed God to show up in a tangible way? Like you needed God to show up for you in a real way. If he didn't show up, you're not sure how you're going to get through today, much less tomorrow. I've been there. I've felt that. There's going to come moments where we're going to face challenges and you're going to need God to show up in a real way. And I believe that's what Christmas is all about. You see, Christmas is all about not having to go through those challenges alone. It's a story of God coming to us to walk with us. He has a lot of names. Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Messiah, the Great I Am, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning and the End, the First and Last, the Keeper of all creation, the Manager of all times. Like He has a ton of names. Messiah, Lord, Good Shepherd. But I think the name that I love the most is that name Emmanuel just means God with us. For the next few minutes, we're not going to be long because we got a bunch of cookies to eat out there. And uh, I love me some cookies. Um, I want to pray. I just want to talk for the next few minutes about that name, Emmanuel. God being with us. We pray with me? Father, I love you. God, I thank you for Connection College. I thank you for what you've done in our hearts in our lives this semester. It feels like it just started and here we are coming to an end of a semester, getting ready to go home on a break and then coming back. And for some, this is it. 
For some, they are graduating, they're transferring, this is their last college nights. For some of us, we, we might not make it back to next semester. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And in the uncertainty of life, it's good to know that you're with us. That even when it gets crazy, we still have you to walk the road with us. Emmanuel. And so for these next few moments, Father, we're just going to talk about your son, Jesus, and how he's with us, no matter what we go through in life. I thank you for Christmas, for sending him to die so that we could live. It's in your strong name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I think we have to understand a few things and in, in doing this, I just want to read out of Matthew. That was Luke that we watched on the video. And in Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, we see an incredible story of how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, scholars say that Mary would have been anywhere from 14 to 17 years old. Teenager. Carrying God's son. It's a big assignment but before marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, this is in Matthew chapter 1, uh, looking at verse 18. This is verse 19. Joseph, uh, while, verse 18, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's important to understand. We'll come back to that. Joseph, who she was engaged to, was a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement. And as he considered these things in his heart, an angel spoke to him, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife for the child that is conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a son and you're to name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Such a story that we've always heard but I think what we have to understand is when you realize that name Jesus is God with us, that he walks with us, that he gets in our valleys with us, our storms with us, our trials with us, that he doesn't leave us or forsake us. John Wesley, who started the Methodist church, he said on his deathbed, and the best of all, God is with us. That should be the theme that's in our hearts and on our lips tonight that God is with us. And the first thing I wanna teach you, if you're taking notes, this is not earth shattering, this is not profound, this isn't pontificating on an esoteric theory to the point you're like, man, he's a scholar, here's the first point. And this is so important though, in order to believe that God is with us, the first point is you gotta believe that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. You gotta ask yourself, do I believe that to be true? Nobody with any degree of intelligence denies that Jesus existed. What they deny is that Jesus was God. He's not just a good teacher, a philosopher, a person. He was God and that's what Christmas is all about. We can't get to God and so God came to us. He came to our world. That's the incarnation when God came in a form of a baby. The proclamation of Christmas is that Jesus has come and Jesus is 
God. And it's anything but ordinary. You study the story of his coming and it's supernatural. Over 2,000 years ago in Nazareth, a teenage girl, angel shows up. You're going to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I can't. I'm a virgin. That's not possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe they put that in there because it's important because there's things we go through. I can't face that storm. I can't face that trial, but you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be able to deal with this, but you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Mary knew that this was impossible except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love that Mary said, okay, let me go tell Joseph. Can you imagine that conversation? That's more drama than a Kardashians episode I mean, they're sitting there, hey, Joe, they're down at Chili's eating bottomless chips, drinking virgin margaritas, hanging out. They didn't have that back then. It'd be cool if they did. But Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant. Joseph, like, a uh, problem. We've never been together. It's what it said. That, that, that can't be. Joseph was a scholar. Like, Joseph grew up. He's a good Jewish dude. So he knows what's supposed to happen. You see, they were engaged. Engagement in this time was just like marriage. This is the betrothal period. So they are already together, except they haven't made it, consummated it yet. Joseph's like, I could have her stoned to death right now because she has broken the covenant. But he doesn't do it. What does Joseph do? He agrees to leave the engagement quietly. Isn't it incredible? <laughs> that God chose as the earthly stepfather of his son, Jesus, a man that's full of grace, a man that is full of mercy. That's who God is. And he chose in the earthly stepfather of Jesus to be full of grace, to be full of mercy. Because he's like, I'm just gonna leave you quietly. He didn't have her stone. I mean, the drama that was all around, but then the angel come to him and said, Joseph, what is happening here is good. Like, this is from the Lord. He's a good Jew. He would have known the Torah. He would have known the prophecies from old. He would have known from the time he was a little boy that in the book of Isaiah, 784 years before this moment, that he would say that a child would come from a virgin. And here you have the written word meeting up with the literal word. God's all in this. And Joseph, he doesn't just become the stepfather of Jesus and thought he was a good guy. No, he knew that he was God. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. He's the one that will save his people from their sins. Joseph just didn't stepfather this kid. And he believed that he was God. Listen, if you're going to start a cult and call yourself a religious leader of this, you don't start with your family. Like, they know all about you, right? So I, I took last this past summer, Will played drums here, and Chris, uh, we, we went down to Jacksonville, and we're hanging out um, with some folks that are fans of a podcast. And uh, we get done eating, and they were like, can, can we take a selfie with you, JC? And I'm like, okay. So Chris is taking the picture, and we get in the truck, and like they lined up to take pictures. And we get in the truck, and Chris looks at me, and he goes, who are you? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, you're like famous to those people. I was like, yeah. He's like, if only they knew who you really were. I was like, exactly. That's why I didn't let you tell them who I am. Why? Because they know me. 
I tell my wife this all the time. She's like, yeah, I picked your underwear up off the floor. I know you, right? I'm like, okay, you got me there. Imagine this. You, you don't start something incredible with the people that are closest to you because they know who you really are. But yet the people that were closest to Jesus, they died for him. The closer they got to him, the more they believed that he was the Messiah. There's something different about him. Jesus came with a mission to save us. And we have to believe in him in order to be saved by him. And if you can wrap your heart and your mind around that fact, the second part is really, really, really good news. And here's the good news. I'm going to trip all over that thing. Here's the good news. The good news is this, is that Jesus is with us. Profound, I know. But he's with us. And I want you to hear this. I want you to get this tonight. He did not just come to get you. He gets you. He didn't just come to get you. He understands you. He gets you. He knows what's going on in your world. You ever gone through something so deep? maybe traumatic, maybe frustrating, and somebody came up and they tried to say the right thing, they tried to say something to you, but it just kind of made you a little upset, it ticked you off. Why? They've never walked in your shoes. They've never been down that road. Man, they come to you and they give you that Christian shoulder rub thing I can only imagine in Spanish to you, and you're like, yeah, thanks, no thanks, right? Why? Because they don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. Jesus gets you. He's been there. Hebrews 14, 15 says, we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He gets us. He knows us. Jesus understands you more than you can imagine. I love that he's engaged in every area of our life, that we can trace him even when we can't track him. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know where he's at. We feel like he's forgotten about us. We can trust him when we can't trace him. Why? Because he's in control. He's always working. And I love this context of God coming to earth because he didn't console us on how he should come. I would have came at like the opening of the Olympics when everybody's watching, just come down out of the sky, grab a mic. He don't need a mic. He's got it. He could just be like, people of the earth, I have come, right? That's not how he chose. He came as a baby. Like pregnancy is crazy. It's like delicate and raw and very, your, your surroundings, you're aware of everything. When my wife got pregnant with our first kid, we were freaking out about everything. You pad everything in the house. You drive on the highway with two hands on the wheel because there's a baby in her womb. I'm like, slow down people, my wife's got a child in there, right? You're so consumed with the fact that she's carrying a child. Then by number six, you're like, yeah, whatever, it's a kid, they'll bounce, right? <laughs> Just kidding, they do, they bounce. Um, what? Um, but I love the fact of how just precious and very unprotected and very like just raw and so vulnerable pregnancy is a baby. Like, that is not how God of the universe, the ferocious, God-breathing, universe 
creating speaks and galaxies come into existence. Like that's not how that God should come ferocious and mighty as a baby in a barn. Can't do anything but sleep, eat, and poop. Where y'all going? I'm kidding. Good job. It's awkward. Um, like, what do you do with that moment? That's how God came. But he came because he wants you to understand that he gets you. That he's been there. That he's walked where you've walked. That he knows your trials, your frustrations. He said, I came not as this king or priest, but I came as a baby. From Nazareth to Bethlehem, it's 80 miles. Scholars say that would have taken four to five days. On a donkey, Mary's 35 plus weeks pregnant. It's not an SUV, it's a donkey. They get to Bethlehem, there's no room. Here they are in a barn. The Messiah, the ferocious one, the, the mighty one, the God-breathing galaxies into existence in the form of a baby. So he knows where we've been, knows what we've done. He's coming to Bethlehem in the form of a baby. And that story is one that helps us realize that God gets us. Because all of us have been born. We all were helpless and hopeless. We needed folks to raise us. We had to learn how to eat and to walk and to talk and to grow. We went through those awkward teenage years, middle school and then high school, and here we are in college and maybe it's still like high school. Like we're still going through that stuff, we're still learning. We've got parents that teach us. He says, hey, I know where you've been. I know what you've gone through. And when I look at this story, my mind continually goes back to the fact that God is with us, that he knows us. And, and I jumped this, this morning in reading back to a, a man who was a prophet who knew about the ferociousness of God. Like this guy was a prophet named Elijah. And this guy, this guy called down fire from heaven. You wanna talk about a mighty God. He knew who the mighty God was. He had done all of this stuff. He was fed by ravens. He was awakened by angels. Like God took care of Elijah because he was on the run. <laughs> You wanna talk about a whole lot of problems, Elijah had it. And he finds himself in a cave. And God is keeping him alive by sending ravens to feed him. Like, that's awkward, but here come some ravens with his lunch, his dinner, his breakfast. When he was asleep, an angel would nudge him, wake him up. And then he stands him up at the front of the mountain and he says, hey, Elijah, I've got a... I got something for you and I want you to see my presence. Because here's Elijah when he's in the middle of this. This is what happens in 1 Kings 19. He tells him to go out and stand before the mountain and the Lord himself will pass by him. Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After that was a fire, but the fire, there was not the Lord. Yet he was in the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. The still, small voice. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He, he wasn't in the earthquake. He was in a still, small voice. Why is it that it appears at times that when life sucks, that God's voice is very quiet? That it almost seems silent? Why is it that when we're going through some of the hardest things in life, it's almost like God just isn't there? Elijah was ready to take his life. He was done. He was like, man, this is it. I'm done. And then he heard the whisper, the still, small voice. Why does he whisper? Whispers because he's close. He doesn't have to shout. Satan shouts. He shouts down the lies. God doesn't have to shout to get your attention. He whispers. Why does he whisper? Whispers because he's close. He whispers because he's near. You don't have to shout when you're close to somebody. What does he whisper to you? I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never forget about you. I'll never overlook you. I'm with you. I've never left you. I love you more than you can ever imagine. What is he whispering? He's whispering that I'm with you in the valley. I'm with you in the storm. I'm with you when life sucks. I'm with you when your dad dies. I'm with you when your parents split up. I'm with you when you don't understand what tomorrow holds. I'm with you when you can't get through today and you're facing tomorrow and you're like, I don't even want to be in that position. He says, I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. My daughter the other night, it was storming. She come running into our room. It's about two or three o'clock in the morning. She jumped up on the bed. She just said, Dad, hold me. And there I sat with little red. And every time we had lightning and every time we would thunder, she'd just squeeze in a little bit tighter. And I'd just whisper, it's going to be all right. I wasn't yelling. It's going to be all right, kid. No, I was like, it's, it's going to be all right. She fell asleep in the middle of the storm. Why? Because there's comfort there. God is not this ferocious, mighty God that's so far away that he's not felt with the feelings of our pain and he knows us in the deepest hurt of our life he says I'm with you I'm with you the disciples are facing this storm Jesus is in the bottom of the boat asleep on a pillow <laughs> these guys thought they were about to die Jesus gets up and he says to the winds and to the waves this is Mark he says, peace be still. 
Bible says there was a great calm. He didn't say storm, be still. He said, peace, be still. You see, what seemed to be a storm to these guys was just peace in motion. And sometimes, guys, we let our circumstance cloud our view of what is really going on in life. And maybe that thing you're going through, you just need him to speak peace into it. We're getting ready to break, and we won't be back until January. We started, we started this whole semester speaking Jesus over you. With all the fear, the anxiety, the stuff that this semester had, this semester might be completely different than what it started at in August. Maybe it's been good. Maybe it's been bad. Maybe there's been fear. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that as we go through this, we have a Father that just wants to speak peace. And maybe you're here tonight, and you don't know why you showed up, you, you saw somebody post this on Yak, and you're like, I thought this was a party. Um, why are we here? Upvote, downvote. Um, <laughs> that's me that posted it, by the way. Um, cool. And we need a target. Um, maybe you just showed up. You've been coming every college night. You've heard this message. You've heard this message. You've heard this message. Maybe you keep putting it off. You're like, I just, I don't need that Jesus stuff. Maybe you're just investigating truth. Keep doing that. Maybe you realize tonight that there's a God that loves you and wants to give you peace. I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know where you're at walking into this room, sitting in these chairs. I don't know what this semester has looked like. I don't know what you're going home to. I don't know what next semester is going to hold, but I know that God is in control. And maybe tonight, you need to do you just need to cuddle up next to him say God here I am here's all of me I need you to speak peace because I don't understand the situation but I know you're in control and he's not shouting he's whispering and he's been trying to get your attention for a long time but you've been looking for it in so many different areas where he's speaking in that still, small voice. And as we wrap up this semester of college nights, I just want to pray over you the same way that we prayed to start. We're going to sing a song of declaration over and with and for. As we just want it to be all about Jesus. Father, I love you. I thank you for college nights. For these young people that come every single week, there's a lot of places they could be. But they're showing up here on Wednesday nights and hearing from your word. And God, this semester, there's been a lot of highs and some lows. There's been good, there's been bad. We have learned a lot. Many have grown a lot in their faith, in their walk. You've taught us stuff. You've stretched us. You've helped us explore areas we never explored with who we are. There are some that were living for acceptance that are living from it now. There are some sitting in this room that went from death to life this year. They've said yes to you. They've given you the steering wheel of their life. And God, we praise you for that. 
We praise you for the one that said yes to you tonight. God, we know that with all the stuff going on in our world, we need you to be near. We thank you for that promise that you are close. And so as we leave from this place, we go break, we go back to our homes, we go back to our cities, we go back to life before we came here. God, there, there could be some temptations, could be some hurt, some fear. I pray you go before these students. That you help them. You lead them. You guide them. You direct them. Help them walk in the newness of life that you've called us to. And use them to be your hands and feet in this world. We speak Jesus over their anxiety. We speak Jesus over their depression. We speak Jesus over the fear. We speak Jesus over their relationships. We speak Jesus over their health. We speak Jesus over their doubts. We speak Jesus over every area of their life. God, that's what we need from you. We need you to be near. Speak to us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And we worship now. Jesus from the mountains in 
Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.